Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message in the first part of our series, going through the book of Galatians. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Uh, hey, so glad you could be here. Every single person that's joining us, tuning in online, so glad you could be here. My name is Harrison. Uh, if you're new or visiting, uh, just love you. So glad you could be here. And uh, uh, if you guys don't know, uh, or if you're new or whatever it may be. Uh, We're actually here for one reason, really above all other reasons, and that's actually to worship Jesus. Uh, We're we're here to worship Jesus. And I think that uh, what we just did here, like we don't sing songs. Like I know like we do sing, technically we're we're singing. You're like, I I was just singing. Uh, But we're actually worshiping. And and the truth is like the medium in which we use to worship right here is is through our voices, through singing. But at the very end of the day, um, we are here to worship. And uh, there's so many different ways to worship. You can worship through song, but you can worship through giving. You can worship through loving people. You can worship through serving. Uh, But at the very same time, I think that um, although, again, like worship is is, is all of those things, I think the maddening thing about worship is that I can do all of those things. I can sing. I can give. uh, I can can treat people well. Yet at the same time, those things actually um, can cease to be worship, even though they would seem like they are worship. And, and really what I'm saying, where I'm going with it, is that when it comes to worship, um, how I worship is really a reflection of who I'm worshiping. And at the very end of the day, um, it doesn't really matter how I worship as much as it matters who I'm worshiping and why I worship. And I just have this thing inside of me, and I know you're like, Harrison, like, are you we're preaching here? I'm preaching already. Um, <clears throat> that, like, I think that the deeper you know Jesus, the better your worship becomes. Uh, In other words, the more I understand Jesus, the more I understand his goodness, his grace, my worship is actually transformed. And so what that means, again, is that singing is one medium that we use to worship God. Uh, But there's so many different ways. And really, when we understand Jesus, our whole lives become a posture of worship for God and to God. And um, maybe you're wondering where we're going uh, with this. We're beginning a brand new series today, and uh, I'm just excited for this series. Uh, We're going to be studying uh, the book of Galatians. And uh, we're going to be in this series from anywhere from like two to four months. Uh, We'll kind of see where it goes. Don't be scared. Be excited. A few people. Let's, uh, Let's get some energy in here this morning. Let's go. So we're going to study the book of Galatians, and I'll talk about worship again in a second. But the reason I'm super excited for the book of Galatians as we go through it um, is super simple. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, like the Bible, if you don't know this, split into Old Testament, New Testament, 66 books in all. I believe that the Bible is inspired by God. I believe it is the word of God. I believe it is helpful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for teaching us in righteousness. All of these things. I love the whole Bible. But I have a favorite book in the Bible. Is that all right? My favorite book in the New Testament, at least today, uh, is, is the book of Galatians. And so I'm super excited to go through it. And truth be told, I'm not alone in my love for the book of Galatians. Uh, if you guys know, there's a famous reformer. Uh, his name is Martin Luther. And uh, it's not Martin Luther King that you guys may have heard of. Martin Luther is actually who Martin Luther King is named after. Uh, But Martin Luther uh, is this dude that back in the 1500s, he began what is known as the Protestant Reformation. And so literally Martin Luther, what he did, I'm giving you guys some history. Um, He he was a part of the Catholic Church. All there was was the Catholic Universal Church. And what he did is he read the Bible and he came up with 95 things 
that he saw within the church that he was in that didn't jive with the Bible. And so in the moment, he did this thing where he nailed these 95 theses to a door, and that began the Protestant Reformation. And truth be told, y'all wouldn't be here today without Martin Luther. Um, he's just probably one of the biggest influential people in the history of Christianity. Why am I telling you about Martin Luther? Because Martin Luther had a favorite book in the Bible, Galatians. He said this. He said, um, he said the book of Galatians is my Catherine von Bora. Catherine von Bora is his wife. He says, Galatians is my Catherine von Bora, for as I am to her, I am married to it. He says, I'm married to the book of Galatians. Like, listen, I love the book of Galatians. I'm not quite at the point where I love it more than my wife. But like Martin Luther was there. He's like, I am married to Galatians. Now, I'm really hyping this thing up because I told you I'm excited for this series. And really what I want to do in this series, what I want to happen in this series is I am hoping that our worship is changed as a result of this series. Now, why are you saying, why will like, our worship, why will our worship change? Well, our worship is always a reflection of our revelation. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. If you're not taking notes, what are you waiting for? Our worship is a reflection of our revelation. What that means is I will only be able to worship as much as God has been revealed to me or as much as I understand God. And in my infinite or my finite knowledge, I should say, I don't actually really even understand God to a degree. But what he has revealed to me, and the more that I understand him, the more that my worship will change. This is why when we get to heaven, we ask a whole bunch of questions. Like, what are we, what are we gonna do? Like, are we gonna play games? Like, what's gonna happen? Listen, you're gonna be in the presence of God, and you're gonna know him more than you've ever known him on earth. So what we're going to do in heaven, day and night, is worship. Yeah. We'll have no words other than holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so my hope in this series, because maybe you're someone that's like, Harrison, like, I don't, I don't really like worship. Like, I'm not a worship kind of person. Like, it's more state of myself. And um, that's fine. But the truth be told is that when you understand the goodness of God and the goodness of his grace and his mercy, you cannot not worship. Jesus says when he came in in the New Testament, he says, hey, listen, these guys are cheering. But if they didn't, the rocks would cry out. Because all of creation is bent towards worship, you and I included. And if we're struggling to worship God, what it really means is that we struggle to understand God and all that he's done for us. And so what we're going to do in this series is I hope we're going to understand God better than ever before. And so I have a challenge for myself. And this is why, like I said, that this series could take four months. Um, I would love to read every single verse in the book of Galatians in this series. Um, now, it's a challenge, not a promise. So what that means is I have a challenge for you that you can make a promise. I would love, as we go through this series, as we're going to be in this book for a number of weeks, um, I would love for you to read the book yourself. It's an amazing thing. Read the book of Galatians, and then when you come here, we're going to unpack it together. And I just think that through this series, we're going to understand Jesus so much better, and our lives will be changed. I believe our lives will be transformed. So I'm excited. You guys ready to roll? All right. I need the energy up like 14 levels. Uh, <laughs> because we're going to talk about the goodness of Jesus. And if that doesn't get you excited, come on, somebody. So, yeah, let's go. You can clap your hands. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, before we get into it, uh, I need to give us just a little context. Can I give us some context? 
And context is really important whenever you read the Bible, um, but it's really important specifically when you understand the books in the New Testament um, known as like the things other than the Gospels, right? Gospels is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, all the books after that, the epistles, the letters, it's really good to understand the context because the context will help us to understand the words better. Context is everything, right? Uh, this is why like Twitter and, and Facebook is the worst place ever because you just say words and sometimes you don't know the context. And it's like, wait a second, does this person hate me? And it's like, no, they're just, you need to understand the context of what they're saying. So context is really important. So here's the context of the book of Galatians and really the context of early Christianity. So the church, after the death of Jesus, um, was comprised mainly of Jewish people. You need to understand this. Every single follower of Jesus, the 12 disciples, uh, the 12 disciples, I should say, were all Jewish. Jesus himself was Jewish. Paul who wrote this book, Jewish. Most of the early followers of Jesus were Jews. And so what happens, though, is as the church begins to expand, the message of Jesus is not just for one particular group. You need to understand that. Everybody needs Jesus. And so the church did not stay primarily Jewish for long. And so what happened was that all of these people that were not Jewish began to join the group, the church. In the Bible, they have a simple name for everyone that wasn't a Jew. They're called Gentiles. Does that make sense? So the church is comprised of these two groups, Jews and Gentiles. And really, Paul himself, who wrote this letter, he has one specific mission. He is the messenger to the Gentiles. If you read the Bible, Paul has, Paul has, a, mess, has a, a group of people that he is called to reach. Those are the Gentiles. Peter, his main message and his main mission was to the Jews. Peter to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles. Just a quick question this morning. Uh, anyone in here of Jewish heritage? Jewish descendants? Amazing. We got a room full of Gentiles. What's up? Where are my Gentiles at? Make some noise if you're a Gentile in the room today. Now, one of the reasons that Paul's letters are so influential and one of the reasons that we read his letters, and it's the majority of the New Testament, is because over time, the church would switch to primarily Gentile. And so the words of Paul are extremely relevant to the people that are not Jewish, which, again, is you and I. Online, maybe there's some Jews out there. We love you. So glad you could be here. But this is really important, though, because we have this context in this early church where there's these two people, there's Jewish people and there's Gentiles. And now what they're trying to do is figure out what does it look like to come together under the banner of Jesus. And pretty well, every single letter that Paul writes, there's conflict. And this is a human issue. Whenever people who look different, act different, think different, come together, what's the result? Conflict. Now, sometimes people say, well, I just don't hang out with people different than me. I don't hang out with people that look different, sound different, talk different, act different. Guess what? That's not Christian community. Christian community is people that think different, look different, act different, are different, are stupid, are dumb, whatever it may be, all coming together <laughs> under the banner of Jesus. And so the words of Paul are so relevant. And, and we're really, I'm really going to break this down as this series goes on, but I'll give you kind of a basic overview of kind of the conflict in the church at this time. Jewish people were known kind of for, for their obedience and the, or their observance of the law, the Torah. And if you read the Old Testament, you can read all the stuff that they did. But generally speaking, Jews were known for three things. Their observance of holy days, 
their, um, the way that they eat, their diets, um, so kosher, not eating unclean foods, um, and circumcision. These were the three things that marked Jewish people, holy days, their diet, and circumcision. And so as the church comes to be, now there is this thing where the Jewish people are saying, hey, you Gentiles should be like us Jews. Now, what you need to understand about Gentiles is that Gentiles are a little bit wild, a little bit crazy. Any crazy people here today? And so the Jewish people, you need to give them a break. You need to understand that they're kind of scared because they're very pious people to begin with. They're religious. And so when these crazy Gentiles are coming into the church, they're like, wait a second, we don't want to pollute the message of God with these crazy Gentiles. And so they're saying to the Gentiles, you must become Jews. Paul is offering a third way. And the third way is the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is not primarily Gentile. It is not primarily Jewish. It is something completely different. And Pastor Brett really spoke about this last week, this idea that we don't need to exist on these spectrums because Jesus actually exists on a whole different plane, the third way. And what we're going to see throughout this whole book is that, Jesus, that Paul is trying to show that Jesus' way is better. It is better than the Jewish way. It is better than the Gentile way. It is something completely different. And so for Paul, what he's going to do in this book um, is he's going to really uh, break kind of down this idea, what is the message of Jesus? Now, I gave you guys a little history. I'm giving a lot of context, but um, in the Bible, there's really two books that have shaped Christianity perhaps more than any other books, and that's the book of Romans and the book of Galatians. You're like, Harrison, what about the Gospels? The Gospels are important, but Romans and Galatians helps us make sense of exactly what Jesus did. Now, um, basically, though, they're both about the Gospel, but they're, they're different. Uh, and they're different in this. Uh, Romans is all about what the Gospel is. Galatians is all about what the Gospel is not. I heard one preacher say it like this. He says, Romans is on the offense. Galatians is playing defense. And what we're going to see in this letter is that Paul is defending what he believes is the gospel. Gospel just means good news. He is defending what is the good news of Jesus. And so the good news is simply this. Can I share it with you? This is Paul's understanding. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus, I don't add anything else. It's just Jesus. It's only Jesus. It'll always be Jesus is everything. That's the gospel. What Paul is on the defense against is this idea, um, really, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. And so when you add anything to the message of Jesus, in other words, it's like, yeah, it's Jesus, but you, you act a little bit like this. Got, he says, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. And so what he's trying to do in this whole letter, it's kind of shaded, but he's trying to um, protect the people, protect us from what he calls the false gospel. I'm not saved because I do anything. It's all about by what has been done. So that's what Paul is defending in this, in this book. And what I want to call this series, we're going through the book of Galatians, but I just want to give this series a title that can kind of help us go along. I want to call this series All or Nothing. All or Nothing. It's either all Jesus or you actually have nothing. So, kind of a long introduction to, to the series, but I want to make sure we know where we're going. Uh, so now, I just want to break this down. Can I break it down? Yes. Let's get into it. Uh, so, Galatians chapter 1, if you have a Bible, you can follow along. It's great to highlight. If not, 
on the screen. Uh, Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. So as I said, Paul is the one that wrote this letter. Really important what he says. He says, I'm not sent from men or by men. I'm sent by Jesus himself. Now, if you do not know this, when you read the Bible, Paul did not roll with Jesus on earth. Uh, in fact, after Jesus died, Paul was known for one thing, which was killing Christians. Then all of a sudden, one day, he's riding on a horse, and literally, Jesus shows up, blinds Paul. He says, hey, stop messing with my church. Doesn't condemn him. Instead, he says, guess what? I got a plan for your life. And Paul, the one that was persecuting Christians, would then turn out to be the person that would perhaps more than any other person not named Jesus be the result of the spread of Christianity. And so Paul, if you ever read his letters, um, he kind of starts by this. Because like Peter, you know, Peter, like everyone's like, yeah, he rolled with Jesus. Like, he's legit. Everyone's like, Paul, like, he ain't that legit. Uh, and Paul's like, listen, I'm not sent by no one but Jesus himself. And he's got a message for the church. Um, and he says, again, to all the churches in Galatia. Um, so this wasn't just to one church. It was to a whole bunch of churches in a region. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So maybe you didn't see it, but we're going to spend the rest of the morning pretty much here. Uh, because what happens is Paul, it's almost, I heard one commentator say, it is almost like Paul, when he wrote this letter, he could not wait to tell them why he was writing the letter. The introduction is like, yeah, you know who I am, Paul sent cool. I'm here for one reason only, to let you know that I am here for Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. In other words, the very first thing that Paul wants us to know in this letter is the gospel. That's what it's all about. It took him one sentence to present the gospel. Why? This is so important, because whatever is most important in our life will always be the first thing on our mind. It's the principle of first. So literally after Jesus changed Paul's life, he could not stop speaking about the gospel. He literally says, I profess to preach Christ and Christ crucified. I don't want to say anything else. Nothing else is of value. And I think it's really important for us to ask, because I'm hoping that our worship will be transformed. When it comes to the people in our lives, what's the first thing they know us for? Is it Jesus? Is it the gospel or is it that, that sad thing that you do? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it, is it the things that you have, your possessions? And I ask that not in the condemning way, but literally in an asking way. When people think about my life, what's the first thing they think of? For Paul, he wants to make sure there's no mistake. The most important thing is the gospel. If I, if I don't have that, I really have nothing. And I just have this belief, and that's what I said, that when we understand and experience the gospel, when Jesus literally comes and knocks us off our horse, there's nothing left to talk about. It's just simple. There's nothing left to talk about. And my prayer is that in the same way that Paul cannot wait to speak Jesus, my prayer is by the end of this series, by the end of this message, we are the same way, where I cannot wait to speak Jesus. I cannot wait to talk about Jesus. And so Paul shares the gospel. 
Again, he says, um, from, from grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age. So as Christians, I need us to understand this. As followers of Jesus, if you miss the gospel, you miss everything. If you do not have this, you actually have nothing. So here's the first thing I want us to understand about the gospel, the message of Jesus. Simply this, Christianity is first and foremost a gift. It's a gift. Jesus Christ gave himself for us. If you know one thing about Christianity and one thing only, know this, the message of Jesus, Christianity is a gift. Now, this, this, this message is so simple, it's so succinct, yet throughout church history today, it's hard for people to believe. We all quote John 3.16. You guys know John 3.16? For God so loved the world, he gave. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The essence of Christianity is that God has given you something. The message, the gospel, the good news is that there is a gift that has been given to us. Now, by definition, what is a gift? A gift is something that has been given to you. Now, a true gift is something that you get for, for really no reason at all. I get a gift because someone gave it to me, because someone loved me. I think what's interesting and why it's actually hard to believe the message of Jesus is just a gift, pure, unadulterated, nothing more, nothing less, is that even the gifts that we give to each other, they have strings attached, right? What, what are the majority of gifts that we get? Birthday. I was born. <laughs> they owe this to me. I lived another year. Can we be honest? Christmas? Like my family does Secret Santa now? Like, like if it weren't for that name draw, like would you really get them a gift? <laughs> you see, a gift by definition is something that is given to you, not earned, but simply given out of love. But even most of the gifts that we get and most of the gifts that we give have strings attached to them. And so we kind of have this transactional mindset that says, I give because I'm going to get, or I get because I've first given. The message of Jesus is simply this. You get not for any reason other than Jesus loves you. God loves you, so he gave. We're wired to think transactionally. This is why the gospel doesn't make sense. This is why the gospel offends. This is why the message of Jesus, for so many people, they do not know it. I'm telling you, because I'm going to ask a question, and I'm giving you the answer. What's the message of Jesus? The message of Jesus is a gift. Here's my question. If you were to ask most people, what do you think the message of Jesus is? What do you think most people would say? Now, if I were to wager to guess, if I were to ask people, hey, what do you think the message of Jesus is? I think 95% of people would say, well, it's to love others. The message of Jesus is to love. Make sure you love people. That's, that's all it's about, just, just love people. That's the message of Jesus. Now, you need to understand that when you understand the gift that he's given you, you will love, so just calm down. <laughs> but the message of Jesus is not for us to love people. 
The gospel is good news. What does good news mean? It means I've heard something. Love people's good advice. Listen, your life would be a whole lot better if you love people. Stop being a jerk. But the good news is not that you have to do something. It's that something has been done. That a gift has been given to you. I think one of the reasons I think that we struggle to share our faith is because for most people, when it comes to sharing our faith, we think that we have to tell people what to do. But evangelism is not telling people what to do. It's letting people know what's been done. You need to understand something. The God of the universe loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He gave you a gift. And the truth is, if I do not understand this, I don't understand anything. This, this one simple, succinct message will frame my understanding of Christianity. Because here's the way that many of us think. Many of us think in the transactional way that says, I do something, and then God approves of me. But here's the thing you need to understand. This is just human nature. Anytime we do something, when I do something, when I can take the credit, my head gets big. The truth is this, anytime I do something, I have reason to be proud. Why? Because I did it. You ever met a proud Christian before? Why are they proud? Because they're doing more than you. And I've been there. But it is only when something is given to you, when you realize I did absolutely nothing, that it's like, man, I have nothing to boast about. I have nothing to be proud of. I didn't do anything. I just got the gift. It's like, um, you guys may know this, but we have uh, three kids, three babies, uh, two and, and under, um, I guess toddlers and, and a baby. Uh, so um, I've been blessed to experience that the whole child birthing experience twice in the last two years. And uh, I'm going to describe it to you guys. <laughs> now, not in great detail, uh, because um, I haven't seen much. Because I made it a commitment, like I'm not looking at anything. Uh, the nurse one time, she's like, am I on your way? I'm like, no, you're good. Like, you just, you just stay there. I'm just, I'm just here for when it comes out. Um, but like, what's interesting when it comes to childbirth, um, literally, like, and I'm telling you guys this because like, in, in our, in, when our baby's coming, like, um, I didn't do anything, right? Like, there's a joke, like when we had the twins, like Christy was pushing for a long time. Um, it was me that needed water. I was like, hey, Doc, is there water in here? <laughs> like, for your wife? I'm like, no, for me. Like, I'm, I'm getting thirsty. Uh, but, like, like literally, for, for, for the three kids in two years, I did absolutely nothing. I'm just there. I show up. And I think, you know, for, for a father, and maybe you guys have been here, I think what makes the moment so cool is that, like, all of a sudden you have this son or these daughters uh, put into your hands, and you're like, wow, I literally did nothing. I didn't do any, it's just, it's just a gift. And um, I think that's the difference between a gift and when you do something. Now, ladies, listen, I'm here to honor you. Y'all do some things. Like, it's, it's no easy task. And you guys know this because you've met the woman, right? They'll tell you about their labor, right? It's like, I was laboring for 56 hours. Uh, I was, I was, the kid was 10 pounds, 10 ounces, like, they know the weight, they know the time, everything. Why? Because they did something. And the truth is, because they did something, because they pushed those little suckers out, they have something to be proud of. Why are they proud? Because they did something. Why will they tell you about it? 
Because they did something. Because it is to their credit the baby's here. For the man, you did nothing. This is what Paul is trying to get us to understand is the gospel. We did nothing. It's all Jesus. He did the hard work. He went through the labor. He went through the pains so that we could experience the gift. This is the only lens that we can view the, 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 the message of Jesus through. Otherwise, you will get proud. If you think that God thinks better of you because you do something, because you, you will become proud. Ephesians 2 verse 8, he says it like this. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Verse 9, this is so important. Not by works so that no one can boast. Because if there's something you think that you did that makes you better than other people, you're going to boast. But he says, listen, this is definition. You can write this down. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is a gift. Christianity is first and foremost a gift. We need to understand this because it shapes and frames the way we understand everything. God has given us something. Here's the question. What has he given us? Two things, but one really. He says again, Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. So, Jesus, when he gave himself, what is the gift? Two things. He saved us from our sins, and he rescued us from the present evil age. But here's the implication he needs to understand. Here's what he's saying. The gift that God gave us is he saved us. The implication is I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Now, again, this message is simple, but it's kind of offensive. It's offensive because we live in the grinder world, right? That says, if I just, girl, wash your face, like you can just get up, right? You can, you can do this yourself. Just, just dig a little bit deeper, right? What, what's the saying? There's nothing you can't do if you don't put your mind to it, right? There's, there's nothing out of your reach, you can do it. You can. There's this motivational speaking. There's something inside of you. There's nothing outside of your grasp. Wrong. There's one thing that you cannot do, and that is save yourself. You cannot save yourself. There's no time in the morning you can wake up. There's no book you can read. There's no regiment you can go on to save yourself. Salvation is found in Christ alone. That's it. That's the gift. I need to be saved. And guess what? Jesus has saved you. That's it. But what's funny is our pride doesn't want to believe it. Because our pride says, no, there's got to be something more. Like, I got to do something. I know the religious folks, they're sitting here like, Harrison, you're saying I don't do anything? Nothing. You accept Jesus by grace, through faith, in Christ. That's it. That's what a gift is. And I need the gift because I need to be saved. And here's the thing. If I don't think I need to be saved, why would I ever accept the gift? And this is how human nature works. If there's something I can do, I'm going to do it. Like, come on, just like, tell me what to do. Give me a couple. And this is why Judaism was so tantalizing, because they had this list of things to do that made them right with God. 
And so they're like, sweet, I'll just check, check, check. Love people? Nah, but like, following a couple of rules, I'm circumcised. I need to be saved. And what Paul says is that he's rescued us from our sins. Listen, I went off two weeks ago about this whole thing, so I'll kind of keep it tame. You don't want me to start preaching. But it's as simple as this. God is holy. We are not. Every single one of us, try as we may, is unholy. Grind as we may is not good enough. And so literally, God is holy. We are not. So there's a chasm that exists. That chasm is known as sin. And so literally, sin actually expels us from the presence of God. This is why even when you're in Christ, when you do stupid things, you don't feel like praying. You ever been there? It's like, I just yelled at my wife. <laughs> I don't want to open my Bible now. Right? Sin is a natural separator from God. And the truth is, there's actually nothing you can do to bridge the gap other than leaning to Jesus. And so when I sin, I need forgiveness. And forgiveness is only found in Jesus. And truth be told, it's too good to be true. But it's true. Jesus rescued us from our sins. And the beauty of following Jesus is the closer you get to Jesus, it's weird. It's this weird thing. Um, I don't think of myself better. Um, I actually think of myself lower. Because like I'm getting closer to Jesus, and I actually see his goodness. And I see his beauty. I see his grace. Then I see me. And I'm like, that's, that's not me. Yet I'm accepted in Christ. And so I live in this oxymoron, this dichotomy of sorts that Jesus rescued me from my sins. But again, he says, um, who gave himself to rescue us from our sins, but also to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the world, the will of God our Father. So here's a beautiful thing. Because a lot of us, like maybe sin is this big fanciful word, like sure, maybe I'm a sinner. Sometimes, I don't know. But a lot of us live in the reality of what's in front of us, Right? And the beauty of what he says is he saved us from our sins, but he's also saved us from the present evil age. In other words, he saved us from this crazy world. When is, when is the present evil age? Now. It was then. It's now. It's tomorrow. The world's crazy. Do you guys know that? Take a note so you don't forget. The world's crazy. It's been a crazy week. Russia invading Ukraine. That's crazy. I'm Ukrainian. You guys don't know that. But that's, that's my people they're invading. Um, crazy, right? It's, it's crazy. Like, and I say that like non-Catholic. It's crazy. People are dying. Right? In Canada, right, we, we had the Emergencies Act a week ago. First time in history. That's crazy. The world's crazy. That's big things. On small things, right? We have dissension. We have disagreement. We have hate. I know Brett went into it last week. Right? We have ideology hates. This person's vaxxed, unvaxxed, masked, unmasked. Has people over, doesn't have people over. Hate. The world's crazy. The beauty of Jesus is that Jesus does not just save us for heaven, but he does something in this present evil age. It says he has rescued us. Now some of us are saying, well Harrison, like, I, I'm still here. Like, what does rescued mean? One commentary put it like this. He said the idea behind the word deliver or rescue is not deliverance from the presence of something, but deliverance from the power of something. What that means is this. I may still be here. I may still experience all this thing, these things, but because I have Jesus, I actually don't experience them the same way someone that doesn't have Jesus experiences them. 
Because my hope isn't tied here. My hope isn't tied to this world. Listen, if all you have is this present time, this present moment, what's your hope in? One of the things I laugh at, you guys have seen this, when something happens, right? Whether it's racism, whether it's wars, um, people say something like this. You guys have heard this. I can't believe things like this still happen in 2022. You guys heard that? How, how could anyone do this in 2022? Do you know why they're saying that? Because they believe in this idea that we as humans should pull together this strength and unity and love out of nowhere and work towards some common good. But where does that common good come from? And what do you do when the person next to you has no common good, has no common decency? If my hope is tied to humanity, my only result is despair. And one of the reasons our world has been in despair for the last two years is because there's a generation of people that have their hope tied into nothing higher than anything on this earth. And so what that means is my hope ends with Justin Trudeau because he's the highest official in Canada. So either I love him or I hate him. Guess what? I'm indifferent because my hope isn't tied to him. My hope isn't tied to this country. My hope is tied to a kingdom that is not of this place. Because I live here, but the power of Jesus has delivered me from the power of this place. So no matter what happens around me, it's nothing compared to the power that exists within me. Because my hope isn't tied here. This is what the gospel does. The gospel helps me on a macro level, but it helps me on a micro level. Because it means whatever I'm going through, I have a God that cares for me. I have a God that loves me. I have a God that actually believes um, that I believe has a hope and a plan and a future for me. It's like, um, you, you guys, most of us should know by now, we're working on uh, finding a new church, not finding, um, building out our new church space. And um, I, I'm a pastor, not, not a builder in any sense of the imagination. Um, and so there's kind of been some stressful moments for me, right? Just trying to figure things out and maybe things not going the way they wanted to go. And I was telling my family, like, we've had a few moments. Like, you guys watch HGTV? You guys know HGTV every single time before the commercial break, something bad goes wrong, right? And so it's like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. Cut to commercial. <laughs> I was telling my family, like, we've had a couple moments where, like, I feel like I'm on, H I'm on HGTV, where it's like, they would have cut to commercial right there. <laughs> and it's kind of stressful. And truth be told, um, all I can do in those moments, because, like, I, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, and um, I, I don't... Even though, you know, like, is, is money going to come in, so on and so forth. But the beauty of following Jesus is that my hope isn't tied to any of those things. My hope is tied to Jesus. And I believe that Jesus has saved, redeemed, called. And I believe because he's called us, he has a hope and a plan and a future. And if my hope is in him, what do I have to fear? The answer is nothing. It's going to work out one way or another. It may not always work out how I want it to work out. But if God's brought us to it, he's going to get us through it. I remember when we started this church, um, I quit my job, and I was talking to my one friend, and he, he's also a pastor, and he said, you know, it's funny, he said, I don't know how people who aren't Christians make big life changes like this. Because, like, I quit my job, but, like, there's atheists that quit their job too, right, and jump into something new. And he's like, I don't know how they do it. Because truth be told, if they have no God or no sense of God, all they have is hope and nothing. Like, I hope it works out, but I don't believe anyone cares about me, thinks about me, knows me. But I actually believe that someone knows me, cares about me, and thinks about me. 
I, I was driving uh, last night, just in my car, listening to music, and I just had this thought, like, so many cars on the highway, and everyone's driving, but God knows my thoughts. My inner, he just knows me. And that's what gives me peace. And that's what it means when God has delivered us and rescued us from this, this crazy present evil age. It means I'm too blessed to be stressed. And it also means I need to be saved. And I can't be the one that saves me. And that actually frees me. Because whether we know it or not, most people are looking for a savior. And they think the savior is in the mirror. But in the words of Michael Jackson, the man in the mirror, or the woman, it's not what you're looking for. You're looking for someone higher to save you, to give you a gift. And the good news is, this is the gospel. Jesus did it. He he did it. Now, Amy, you can come up. We're going to close. Um, I wish I could end the the series there. Because that's the gospel. That's the good news. Right? It's a gift from God. He's saved. He's redeemed. Rescued. But I'll kind of give us a teaser of what's to come in this series. Paul, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, I'm astonished. You guys heard the good news, the gospel? It sounds pretty good, right? Two people? (laughs) Jesus saved you, redeemed, called. Sounds pretty good, anyone? Here's the issue. Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are trying to throw you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Listen, the gospel is simple, succinct, and so easy to understand. There is no confusion. But he says people are trying to confuse you. pervert the gospel, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. Listen, today, if you've heard a different gospel than the gospel that was preached, it is not the gospel at all. If you think the gospel is about what you do, that is not the gospel at all. It is all about what Christ has done. And Paul, he says, let the people that preach something different be under God's curse. You're going to see it in this series. Nothing makes Paul more angry than people trying to twist the gift of God. It ticks them off. It cheeses them off. A holy unrighteousness. Can I give you a little preview of what's to come? He even tells the people to cut their testicles off. That's how angry he gets. Y'all think the Bible's boring? You're boring. Let's go. He says, if... Because the context was, he says, you got to be circumcised to be accepted. Paul says, cut it all off if that's what you think. It's only Jesus. And I say it boldly because it's in the Bible. And I say it because Paul says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Just God. He said, if I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I might say some hard things in this series. We'll see, but I just think the gospel is so good and I want to be faithful to it in the same way Paul was faithful to it. Where whatever the consequences, whatever the circumstances, and for for Paul, it was his life. He's like, I'm not going to stop preaching Jesus. I'm not going to stop preaching, preaching the good news. Let that be my life story. Let that be the first thing people know about us. Whatever the consequences, I may lose friends. I may lose fame. I may lose positions, but nothing's as important as Jesus. 
This news is just too good. It's just too good. And so my prayer that you've heard the gospel and you're gonna hear it continually in this series is that we don't go back. Let's not turn back. There's nothing there. Wherever we came from, there's no going back. That's why we sing, I've decided to follow Jesus. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to find out more about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.